and welcome to the Retroscripts Fireside Stories Human Libraries. Today I am enjoying a coffee with um, almond milk and honey. And my guest today is Rhiannon Barry. I'm super excited to have her here. She enjoys a tea or a beer, depending on the day, which I totally understand. And her favorite quote is, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Rhiannon will be chatting with us today about challenges. For her, taking psychology during COVID has presented many challenges and drummed up old, unhealed wounds from within. She has had to tackle many traumas head on from childhood poverty and homelessness, family dynamics, personality and developmental years, <clears throat> and attachment issues, and realizations about her career experience that led to chronic stress and damage to her self-worth, something I think that we can all understand. During COVID, she believes we have all had to do a lot of reflection within ourselves. But when you have a 25-page paper to write on a topic that has to do with triggers and trauma, you're forced to kind of wade through the different dynamics, through the tears, the body's psychological, psychological warning systems and screaming to tell you that you're exploring a little too quickly and urging you to stop. So for her, it's being a period of eminence growth and life path realizations. I think that is super cool, and I am very excited to hear all about that, Rhiannon. But before we dive into that story, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive into the revelation that you had. Sure, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Rhiannon Berry. I am a self-taught visual artist. Um, I have also uh, worked in social services for many years. And now I, before COVID hit, I had made a conscious decision to go back to school for psychology, psychology counseling, because I would love to be an art therapist. Yes. So currently what I'm doing is I'm already developing and building off of um, the skills I acquired as a social worker. Uh, I've been developing wellness arts-based activities and throughout COVID, uh, recognizing a need for social uh, connectivity uh, between artists, I developed some online um, programs, which I'm currently running and um, it's picking up steam and I'm starting to see um, sponsorships and grants come in to support those initiatives, which is exciting, but a lot of work when I'm also in school. Yes. yes. Yeah. You've got a lot of layers going on for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a balance, right? It's a, it's a balance with that and then a balance with COVID. And like you said, most of us can relate to some of the things that I, that I uh, submitted there as my, in my revelation is you've had to really take a hard look at yourself, who's in your life, why you've done things. Um, and then we're all coming out sort of the other side and we have a choice really or maybe some of us don't have a choice but to grow and become something different but we are at this stage now where you can bury yourself and and try to do all the things and get out there and do all the things that you usually do and you did before COVID and be like oh I get back to normal I loved you know I loved how life was before this but in reality most of us have come to some sort of realization or have had some sort of epiphany and I think it's important to hold on to that and even like keeping a journal through it or um, things like that. Like, I think it's important to hold on to those realizations. Definitely. And I like the idea of the journal. I feel like 
a lot of people have kind of come home to like the creative aspects of life, the creative, whether it's painting, drawing, writing, whatever it is, we figured out that it kind of unleashes something within us that needs to be released. Yeah, like a basic human desire and need and, and drive. So I, I actually did have, a, I hosted an artist talk. I do something called the Pathfinder Artist Series where peers prepare something that they can um, be sort of like the speaker of and then other artists and creatives join in. And the last one that I did was how art has seen um, people, the community, the world through COVID. And uh, a lot of times we've been doing this for free. Mm -hmm. You saw a huge uptake in online paint classes and crafting classes and people getting back to music and, and doing all sorts of like uh, creative endeavors. And, and it goes beyond that. It goes towards um, uh, helping to alleviate fear and to create hope through, you know, all this information was coming out and it took an artist to put those into infographics and memes and things like that to really like say, okay, this is the real information about the virus, about what you can do, about how you're feeling, but then also the hope in large scale murals and, and, and art, outdoor art. So I think artists and music and plays and uh, the whole, whole spectrum of creative arts have played a much bigger role and uh, then everybody is is currently aware of Definitely. because it wasn't deemed essential, right? But when you strip away everything but the essentials like food and you know a little bit of uh, shelter and comfort and things like that, what was left and every what was everybody like grasping for? It was creative arts. Exactly. And I'm so happy you said that out loud. I think most people have realized it, but it needs to be said out loud. And now moving forward, I hope that whoever kind of fosters that and sees the need that art and creative creativity is an essential service in itself, right? Yeah, it's definitely helped with well-being. Yeah, exactly. I kind of connected with that through my work at the hospice, watching our patients uh, do art therapy or do music therapy, writing, journaling, all that stuff. And it's at the end of life, that's what was bringing comfort and it was needed. So it makes total sense to me that during COVID, that's where people went. That's what they needed. I mean, exactly. And what you're doing um, in hospice is you're grieving for like almost for like the things you didn't do. Sometimes there's regrets in there. Sometimes you're giving your loss of, of life, of connection with your family and not being able to see them grow. And, and that's all grief. And during COVID, I feel like a lot of us were, were grieving in different ways, Yes. right? So that connection to hospice is de definitely there's something there. Definitely. It's interesting during COVID as well that many of us like you started reliving traumas or going back and reevaluating. And I kind of put my foot down and tried not to go there, but you were brought there whether you wanted to or not. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Like uh, it was really hard. Like all, I, I think I completed, um, nine university level courses during COVID and I'm still doing two and math and statistics right now. So I get a bit of a, a break on the psychological end, but I'm using different parts of my brain. So it's wearing me out. I'm getting tired, but, um, but yeah, like 
so they would say, okay, here, you know, here's your major project because it's all online, right? So I, I don't have lectures. I don't have people to talk to about this stuff. Like, how are you doing this project? What should I be doing? How did you study for this? There's none of that. Um, so I basically, I'm, I'm teaching myself a lot of the time, teaching myself psychology. And at the end of like a, a, a course, they'll say, okay, here's your major projects worth 40% of the mark. Okay. Okay. So you got to dive in there deep. And uh, I had one that was on chronic stress and PTSD. And I hadn't made that connection previously. And as I'm reading through like the 22 studies done on this connection with like uh, healthcare workers, uh, teachers, um, uh, social workers, nurses, I'm like, like it, it just overtook me and something that should have taken me about four days to write took me four weeks because my, my body and my brain were fighting against me understanding the, uh, the material. And was that what you've gone through yourself in your life? Yeah. Like, I think that had I known what chronic stress was doing to me physically and psychologically, I would have left a lot earlier than I did. I think I stayed too long for multiple reasons that don't seem important now. And, when and you that's pretty deep, deep, right? But that's where I came out the other end. And um, I also came out with like a, an 80 on the paper. So it worked. But uh, there are lots of times I called my sister in there and said, can I just talk to you because I just need to cry. And, you know, can I tell you, you know, like these stories and she would just listen to me. So I was so happy that I had somebody supportive in my life that was not judging me as I was trying to work through those thoughts. I also, um, around that time, got a life coach mm-hmm. that I spoke with once a week or once every two weeks. And did you find that helps to just like ease the burden or? Kind of. It was just me trying to do something proactive that I knew there something had to give and I wasn't quite sure what it was. Whether it helped with that or not, I'm not sure. But I think just talking to my sister helped more to like, cause she'd be like, you can do this. I know you can, you know, like she would be very like, you got to keep going sort of thing. Like, don't give up, don't throw in the towel. You know, there's so many times where I was like, is this for me? Like, am I going to make it to the end of this? Like, uh, should I have chosen something different? Because when you're, and that's the whole connection with like the study material, it throws you off balance. Um, there was another paper I did on childhood poverty and abuse and neglect. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks because everybody's always said, you are so strong. How are you so capable? You know, and you said it before we even started recording, you seem so put together. Well, it's like, I grew up fast, uh, I matured fast, and I became capable because I had no other choice a lot of the times. I'm one of 11 children. There were times when in our, in our youth, like Catholic upbringing, um, things were great, but there were times where there were transition stages where we weren't okay. Yeah. And, you know, and then that led into, you know, in, that, that upset in my youth what I learned was that led into me being living on my own at 16. It led into me going to four different high schools and this will be my fifth um, post-secondary that I'm in now. So it led to a pattern, patterns that I hadn't realized before. 
So yeah, going going deep into the, that paper too was like, okay, I gotta call my sister. <laughs> Almost like peeling off old them. scabs, and now you have to relive things. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It, it made me. Um, like the things I thought I had gotten through, it made me realize there's more work to be done there, but it's not something that's going to negatively impact me. It's something that's going to like help me be better at what I'm striving to do, which is help other people be a professional helper. Definitely. And I feel like that's why we're connected. Like we have, I think we have a connection because of your past and the things I left home at 16, I was abused, everything. Like you have to grow up fast. And I get the same comments as you, but you seem so sane. You seem so put together and you, you speak so well. It's because you had to do that growing up and you had to. I always, yeah, I always got it. Even when I was like, um, like 18, 19, I, I studied journalism first, just like you did too. So there's another connection there. Why did we go into journalism? I don't know. Right. But it probably has something to do with that, like deadlines and, and you can make them and it's, it's open and you can move and you're not stuck anywhere. You're not like boxed in anywhere. Right. So there's a lot of creativity in that too, but there's a lot of freedom in journalism to an extent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when, even when I was that age, people would say, how come you turned out like this? And and some of your siblings didn't, and I, I didn't have an answer for them, but now I do. Yes. Right now, after taking all this, I do, I realize that our, our perspectives were different. Our, our um, incidents were different. Our developmental ages when we were um, in between home was different. Some of us got bullied. Some of us were protected, you know, so but there's 11 of us. So I had, I literally went through my head about each one. Like, why is this person defiant? Why does this person get in trouble with the law? Why, you know, why? Oh, oh, okay. I understand better now. Right. So I knew a little bit of it taking social work, but they gloss over some of the deep stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you can learn about group dynamics, but if you're taking, you know, group dynamics and social work versus psychology it's a, it's a different different story different yeah definitely I like the way you said that how different people who could go through the same thing come out differently because of their age and I feel like that's something that we as a population kind of have to recognize when we yeah. look at each other as well why does that person say that where is that person say, you know what I mean um, there's an understanding that I feel like needs to happen but probably won't necessarily happen because you have to be taught that right you have to have the idea put in your head well sometimes it, but sometimes it's already there like a, a lot of the times too psychology or sociology um or like just like even what I'm doing now it's just it's like okay yeah like obviously like I think that all the time obviously I knew that already but there's like a whole nother layer to it where it kind of like now it's like throwing like mud at it and it's like sticking it's yeah. sticking better so now you become more aware. So you might know it and have this great like intuition about things. And I felt like I had that before, but I feel like now it's being like polished. Mm -hmm. You're uncovering it. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. So yeah. when you were going through these kind of realizations that you had, did that spark you to change the way that you paint or the way that you are creative? because now you're reliving these things and seeing them from a different perspective. It actually inspired me to take more risks 
like I have uh, a renewed sense of capability. Mm-hmm. Right? So where before maybe I wouldn't have taken on a subject like Black Lives Matter, I might now. Yes. Right, because I don't know, it sort of re- removed this, well, I guess it, it kind of removed imposter syndrome a little bit. Yeah. Right, because there was a mystery around what don't I know? I got to go to school to take this. And now it's like, oh, well, I'm taking this. So I am that person. I am understanding this information and I can tackle these issues better. Like I used to be very afraid to touch anything because, well, you know, the whole cancel culture thing and like it, it puts a fear in you. But I've understanding like the underlying like mechanisms behind some of this stuff, it's made me more bold as an artist. But saying that, my art started just from me trying to get my emotions on canvas. So most of my stuff is emotive and thought-provoking anyway. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can see why it would create conversation. Definitely. Definitely. And the pieces that you've shown me, like, I don't know, I'm always intrigued. I'm like, why did yeah. you write that? And it sparks a whole story of your past, basically. That's interesting very interesting yeah it is and it is exactly why I started I didn't start to sell in galleries there's a few pieces that are and there's a few and I'm always shocked like that somebody buys one of mine still I'm getting used to the idea of it now but it was never about that it was about I need to secretly encode things that I don't think that I can say out loud somehow and it can't be writing because people have found my writing before and been like what is this right like you can't yeah. write this stuff uh so now painting was that yeah I think that's interesting in my bedroom I have a painting that I bought from an artist a couple of years ago and I like sit and stare at it because every time I stare I guess depending on my emotion or what I'm thinking it's it's almost like she's talking about something totally different. And unfortunately I've lost contact with her, but I would love to have just known, why did you paint this? Like why those brushstrokes, why those colors? There's so much that goes into it. Well, and the thing too is like, if you're um, a classically taught artist, they'll teach you like, not only here are the tools and here's how you use them. And and then here's how you can deviate and make your own style. But um, they'll teach you to do an artist statement and an artist bio and and I'm like sometimes I'm like why do I need to I, I, can I can I submit this without a, a statement about what it means or why I created it because it's like my secret little piece of my heart like but I'm getting more used to putting that stuff on paper less coded and more like this is what happened this is what this painting is about yeah. where before I might have like even written it into a poem and then stuck it and so like my artist statement is a poem so now I'm becoming a little bit more open with it but uh but yeah like if if uh if you do find her it would be interesting to see what her artist statement is on that because how long have you had it Probably been about five years and I just, it was online. She was a struggling artist trying to sell some pieces so she could buy a new canvas. So I was like, yeah, definitely. I'll buy one of your pieces. But yeah, so five years, a couple sales. She's probably started doing artist statements by now. Probably. probably. Yeah. I should look into her. What is your thoughts now that you've opened that can? Um, what are your thoughts on people just sharing their work and the way it's received? And by that, I mean, 
as a writer, I know that some things that I write, people are like, you can't say that. You can't write. Like it's just in a post I actually put up today, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about the way that it'll be received, but it's kind of my feelings. And I'm personally, I'm kind of tired of sugarcoating and just, I almost say watering down some of the pieces that I write that I want to put out there in the public. I mean, you can do it in a book, but. I think that this, because I'm like, I don't know, I don't want to talk age, but I think this comes with age and maturity too, like the not giving a hell, because I think you're, I think I read somewhere that you're happiest in your fifties or something like that, because you just stop caring about what other people think. And, you know, you take off that mask and you're just who you are. Um, but it's a tough process. It's a lot of work to get there for some of us. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like how people receive it, I could give two anymore. Like I have a sister who's an artist as well. She's five years younger than me. She is, um, 24 seven full-time artist, part-time art class teacher, but mainly that's her, that's her full gig is I'm a professional artist. And so she's got different things that I don't have. And we were talking and she's like, how do you get to that place? I'm like, well, I don't care what people think. I don't care. You know, like if I want to say something, I feel like I should just be able to say it. And I think that's the freedom that being an artist gives me. I don't think I should have to follow what everybody's doing on TikTok or, or what this art advisor thinks of like my webpage. I just want to do what I want to do and put out what I want to put out. So I have this like freedom, but again, it's, it's not my full-time job. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know if it's, it's a little bit of age and it's a little bit of professionalism that sort of gets in the way sometimes like releasing a story um and you also don't want to be known as the person who this happened to because then people label you right you put in a box no I understand it's complex definitely for sure you mentioned cancel culture and if you are a small business owner like we are like you got to worry about that as well so it's just a there's almost a finesse yeah and it can happen to anybody at any time anywhere apparently yes I've noticed that definitely we often um, allow ourselves room to grow and we don't allow other people the same courtesy, Mm -hmm. right? So I think a lot of cancel culture is sort of the opposite of that. It's just not allowing people the courtesy of the growth that they've had. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And cancel culture is interesting because like it's a group of people that sort of, they're bullying, right? So like it's both ways so you don't think this person's doing something great but you're going to bully them yeah you know instead of reach out to them and say how can we how can we turn you on to like the the right ideas here the positive sides of things yeah yeah it's interesting very interesting I almost feel as well since we're talking about art when you just put a piece out there like you're saying that you would rather do and I look at that, I want to, I want to know, like, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know what you're thinking. I, I like those. And I like the dark. Like I'm always saying, I, I love embracing the dark and the weird and who you truly are. I don't want to know who everyone says that you are. I want to know the truth. So to look yeah. at a piece of art and without, without even the statement on there, I want to be able to experience that. So if it's um, watered down or however you want to put it, I don't get that full taste of who you are, right? 
Yeah. And there's been times, like I said, I've disguised what something is really about with the artist statement to deter people from finding out what it's really about because I don't think they're quite going to receive it well. But uh, yeah, I guess I still do that. I'm not completely like fully free, but um, sometimes I do release pieces and I'm shaking, right? Like I'm just shaking because I paint from, unless it's for a paint class or a commission, it's from the soul. Yes. Right. So it, it can be scary. Um, but there's a, there's giant chunks of that that have been just like ripped off and thrown away over the years. Yeah. That's interesting. So now you're going to be a psychologist. You have art, you have all these different layers to you. When you were going through your teachings during COVID and you were having those, I'm just looking at my notes here, those full body, like episodes where you were dealing with the trauma did your artistry help you through that like was that where you turned or what helped you get through that for those who are also yeah um I remember being in them and looking at deadlines and looking at marks and being like well if I want to get into another program I need to get this type of marking like stressing out on top of the stress mm-hmm. and then being like okay I, I need to go paint I need to make time for this this is important And I created a few pieces during uh, COVID, but mostly what I was doing was something called the Creative Conversations uh, Pen Pals Project. Mm -hmm. It was actually something that sprung out of a applied psychology course project where I match, randomly match two artists together online and they create back and forth in like a jazz style, sort of call and response style with their art. And it becomes a creative conversation and then at the end of it, I put it all on an online exhibit and we have an artist chat and talk about like, oh, what was your inspiration? Was it the color? Was it a feeling that you got from it? So I'm actually in the middle of round six right now. And there have been about 40 artists involved. Wow. So through COVID, I've been not only doing it for myself, but decided to do it for other people too that might've been in a rut with their art or just looking for like a social connection. So using creativity uh, to connect people and so a lot of my pieces through COVID are reflected in those online exhibits and some of those pieces have sold and you know what I mean and one is in a show right now so like it, and those are 48 hour turnarounds so I create something I send it to my match they have 48 hours to turn around and send me something back so I've not only been able to use art as a catalyst for my own healing and other people's healing but I've learned how to create faster mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting. an interest there's yeah. so much like there I could go on a whole another show just talking about that one program because it's almost like you're creating uh the platform for a conversation to happen almost in another language like I it in my yeah. head it sounds like it's another language that someone may not necessarily find someone to talk in so now you're matching those people up to have those thoughts. And art is a universal language. Yeah. So we do have people from the States um, and all over Canada mm-hmm. involved. That's so interesting. Um, I was hoping for a further reach, but I didn't have the time to promote markets. So I didn't get other parts of the world, but my, uh, my website hits are from all over the world now. That's so cool. I've noticed that as well. We're all kind of reaching out in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more so. Used to be Canada, United States, and China, and now it's like weird countries I didn't even know existed. Yeah, and so, then different influences. 
Yeah. Very cool. So tell me now I'm trying my head to see who Rhiannon Barry will be. And I'm not asking like who you'll be in five years, but the type of psychologist that you might be with your art, like you just seem very unique. So what do you see your future being like? Um, it's hard because it's like wishful thinking and like uh, feels very like maybe superstitious to say it out loud. Okay. Um, also, it's very competitive out there, but I will, I will say one thing. Thank you very much for calling me unique because that's interesting to be called unique in this field. <laughs> um, but I will be tying in my art and I am currently developing art and wellness retreats for both day and weekend with another um, art therapist. Very interesting. And are you looking to launch that soon? Because I would love to show that on my page because I think that's interesting. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, we may even be able to work together on developing something for it with the writing. But um, I want to do a one-time day one mm -hmm. uh, soon before summer is over or in September. And then the overnight one will come in the off season because I do want to book a resort or a beautiful place to hold it in. Very cool. That'll be neat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to working out the kinks. Yeah, the kinks, fun kinks. Yeah. Now, before, because we're just coming up to time to be wrapping this up, before we go, is there anything you'd like to leave your listeners with? Um, you've been through a lot in your life. You are still living, thriving, challenging, all those things. What about the people that are at the beginning where you started? Um, get out in nature make it a priority to recharge and do it in a natural way so don't go to like um a spiritual center that has salt and you can do that too but try to get into nature because that's the best medicine um that's where i've gone to recharge during like the hardest parts of my life and the transitions Mm -hmm. just to go sit somewhere on a patch of moss and you know look out over uh water or you know go sit on sand so any green or blue space um and there's something very natural about it it's almost you get the same feeling as you would if you were like watching children play it's, right so it's like this this beautiful thing for yourself and meditate mm -hmm. it's important don't just plow through and also, you are replaceable. You are replaceable every single place. If you, if you think you're not, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. Doesn't mean you're not unique and special. It just means that um, if something is abrasive, if wherever you are is abrasive, it's not, the, it's not meant for you. Mm -hmm. So try not to hold on too tightly try to be a little bit um fluid with uh with that and it can it can seem tough if you worked really hard for something and you can almost feel like the sense of ownership but um sometimes it's it's better to walk away i guess a little bit earlier than to stay until you're completely burnt out and uh unhappy and and things like that 
I love that message. And I think a lot of people need to hear it, given what I've been listening to around, uh, in my surroundings, at least. So that's amazing. And I love the yeah. space advice as well. I feel like answers just come to you in nature. Like you go and it's almost like it washes your brain or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, it totally is. There's, there's a few different stages of, of connecting and try to do it alone and try not to wear headphones. Mm-hmm. Like you can hike with a buddy for exercise. That's great. But if you do it alone, like be safe, but do it, if you do it alone, take those headphones out, you're going to get way like, like 75% more out of it. Definitely. Interesting. I love it. Well, thank you for that message. And thank you for chatting with us. For everybody that's listening or watching, uh, I'm going to be listing Rhiannon's um, social media handles, her website, and all that information a little bit later or above or below this post. Please feel free to either reach out to myself, reach out to Rhiannon if you have any questions, or if you'd like to sign up for her workshops. They are amazing. And I feel like they can definitely help you with your soul. Thank you again, Rhiannon. Thank you for having me on. Have a great day. You're so welcome.